0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Coffee Chat with Camille. I'm very excited about our guest, his name is Stephen Morgan. The title of our show today is How to Improv. I'm going to read a brief um, synopsis about who Stephen Morgan is and then should be coming into the studio um, pretty soon okay so he is a British a British comedian improviser storyteller actor writer and musician as featured on Australia's ABC and the UK's BBC living in the Netherlands, where he moved from Brisbane, Australia, Stephen has toured and performed in famous comedy clubs and festivals around the world alongside such acts as Stephen Carlin, Damien Power, and Greg Shapiro. Since moving to the Netherlands, he's become a cast member, performer, and teacher with Amsterdam's Easy Laughs is and is a regular on the English language scene around mainland Europe and hosts the popular comedy night, L-Y-F-A-O, in Nijmegen. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Nijmegen is in the Netherlands. He is one half of the True to You, was a performer and teacher with Eindhoven's Chili Con Comedy And is the host of Real Power Talk, a comedy interview series launched in conjunction with the media company All Things Loud. So that is just a little bit about who Stephen Morkin is. And then i love to do, um, in their own words, okay, it's a little part where they talk about themselves so i'll say about stephen he says that he is a storyteller with a background in improv so i know how to keep your attention and be in the moment i've lived in multiple places across the world and i have been a number and have been excuse me been like in a number of different things at different stages of my life I can communicate clearly and think of myself as easygoing and easy to get on with okay so that is um a little bit about Stephen and um we're going to go ahead and let him in the studio
1: hello hi Stephen hello
0: welcome hello
1: how are you Thank you so I'm much.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for being a guest today. Um, Thank let you. Let me see here. I <laughs> I, I actually had a, a question before I get into um, some of the other questions. I was curious about your um, your background. What I mean by that is, um, how did you um, stumble across this wonderful genre called comedy and acting (laughs) and music and all that wonderful stuff. (laughs) So is it okay if you just give a, a brief synopsis about how that all came about?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think like with a lot of people, uh, you kind of do the things you love and dedicate your time to the things that you love. And growing up, I always just, you know, I was uh, more kind of creative kid and uh, wanted to do more artsy things, uh, but was also terrified of, um, you know, being poor and and like in financial destitution, which is often associated with the arts. So uh, what I ended up doing was, like, studying some sort of uh, technical things back in the day. But, um, yeah, but the thing is, is, you know, no matter how much you sort of uh, go down the line of the the sensible part of your brain, get a job in that uh, area, there's always a part of you that just actually just wants to do things that are fun and creative. And um, so I've always just sought out different things that I can you know, find and uh, try new things and the joy in learning and uh, just, yeah, just putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and seeing what happens is something that I strangely find uh, enjoyable. (laughs) Wonderful. And
0: um, my next question is, how do you get started in stand-up comedy?
1: That's an excellent question. Um, Because Technically, you just go to an open mic, you know? There are no (laughs) rules. There's no... Things that uh, that stop you. I, I suppose I think that's why it's uh, a, a medium that's so appealing to so many people. is the fact that it's supposedly the great leveler. Is that uh, anyone can go up and do it? And some people who've been doing it for years can seem like it's their first time, and some people whose first time can seem like they've been doing it for years. And um, I, so personally, I do actually teach stand-up comedy. I was teaching last night. And um, I can acknowledge that for some people, like, you know, there's there's more reasons they want to do it than just because they want to be the most famous stand-up comedian in the world. And what they may have is, like, just some people, it's like that they want to. I don't know, have better presentation skills or they just want to sort of see what it's like. And some people, it's like a bucket list thing, you know, like they just have this thing that they want to do it like they want to run a marathon. They want to do some stand-up comedy or something like that. And I always find it fascinating teaching as well, because you do have so many people with so many different backgrounds who all have their own sort of uh, story as to what they associate with it. But um, but yeah, uh, it really is something which the only thing that stops you is uh, your own fear. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. thank you. And why did you get involved in improv?
1: Well, improv, I mean, to me, improv is, is like the, the area I'm much more uh, natural and enjoy so much more. I, I teach that too, but mainly because I love just sort of... I'm very much in the moment. I'm not a planner. I'm not someone who thinks ahead. And uh, you know, I as I said, I went but I was doing tech stuff in school and things like that when I didn't even know what I was talking about. So I I got good at sort of pretending like I knew what was going on, even when I had no idea what was going on. Uh and that kind of uh, really sets you up well for improv I think, because that is the core premise of what it is. Um so yeah, it's it's something as well which I think is a really sort of um, positive uh, thing to take up, just no matter who you are and what your situation, because it really sort of you know I i come from a sort of very cynical background, uh, you know, and looking at the world in a very sort of negative first way. I have to say okay. that just getting involved with it and sort of recognizing that so many of the things I was learning were so like opposed to my natural way of being and then mm-hmm. actually applying them and sort of, you know, trying to sort of, adopt them in real life and you suddenly realize people react differently to you you know they don't always think that you're going to be the one bring bringing the uh, bad news or being the bit of the downer or the the one making sarcastic comments about everything so and it just means that everything is just like a lot easier and people open up more and yeah I just wish I could go back and tell younger me it's like damn you need to like stop doing this and lighten up and be more positive
0: And then, um, what advice can you give to someone thinking of living in another country?
1: Ah that's a good one that's that's one which I uh, so many different things I would say but uh I think the big one is is that um when you're there's so many points in your life where you kind of you you build roots, right? Or build roots and <laughs> you make roots. Um and <laughs> so many times it just happens naturally because you follow like a very by like conventional paths, you know. You go to school, you get school friends, you, you take, get a job, you you make friends at work. You um you just have people who live nearby, you know, you make friends with them. There's, all of these things that happen. And when I first moved, I moved from uh, the UK to Australia, which is not only uh thousands of kilometers away, it's also um, you know, a totally different time zone. So the people you know are all asleep while you're awake and vice versa. And mm-hmm. the thing which I like look back and like wish I'd done more of, and cause I did it do a little bit of it is to really like put yourself out there, you know, because a lot of life, mm-hmm. you sort of incidentally make friends, make networks, find new people and things like this. And when it doesn't happen, you kind of start to think like, Oh, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with other people? Why, why is it that I just got, you know, nowhere to hang out with or just the same? people all the time and the thing is is that like you do this sort of stuff when you're younger but as you get older you just you know you just have your circle of friends but i think when you move to another country you got to really throw yourself into that in a way that uh that just doesn't always feel natural but you just you know it's it's the way that you really sort of get your roots into the new place as quickly as possible and it starts to feel like home
0: Uh oh and then i um I just had a question how is how has your comedy changed um, especially with the uh, moving in different countries has it changed at all or
1: is it the same yeah it, it has changed actually um, yeah quite a lot uh, especially as now I live in a country where um, you know I perform in the second language uh, in here in the Netherlands um, where mm even although I would say of you know English is so widely spoken here it's um it's it's as though you you know you you don't even notice uh, a lot of the times especially in the big cities um so To me, it's like um, when I was living in Australia, doing it there, and and that sort of um, atmosphere. I always had the outsider thing of being a British person in Australia, and had to kind of adapt what I was doing based on the audiences I'm performing to. Because whether you like it or not, they're making judgments about who you are and assumptions on what you're about and things like this, just in the way you look. And whereas, if in your home country, you know, you kind of uh, you're used to whatever responses you get that uh, when you go yeah. somewhere new, you really do pick up on new and different things. And I suppose one of the things which I've always found uh, interesting leaving the UK was that uh, you kind of, uh, like, there's a lot of British privilege. <laughs> like, um, I uh, People just assume I'm more te- intelligent than I am because I have a British, well, of, british accent and uh, you know they listen to me more as well and it's kind of uh, it's one of those things that i like, would never really picked up on it before because i was just another british person in the uk but uh, then you start to go to other places and it's like this it's like this uh every country has a different sort of association with other countries and you know essentially mm-hmm. i didn't it took me a while to work it out but British people just get a lot of privilege when they go to places. People just think that we have, you know, we're thoughtful or intelligent or um, have something to say. And it's just a weird thing because uh, you can't do anything about it, but um, it is what it is.
0: (laughs) And then, um, let me see, there was another question. Uh, It'll come back to me. But why? Oh no! I asked you that one apologize. What's it like taking up a martial art in your thirties?
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, that was uh, interesting because um, you know it's, it's it's funny that there's an association with that when you take up something new, but people always uh-huh. think like you, you only take something up because you uh, at some level want to be the best at it, you know, want to reach the top of what it can be. You know, you may not like consciously admit it, but you just, you really want to become really good at it. But that was like the first time I took something up when I was like 100% sure that not only was I not going to be the best, but I was not going to be very good full stop uh, you know I'm not a very flexible person uh, and like mm-hmm. as far as sort of exercise goes um, you know I can barely touch my toes and definitely not without bending my knees
0: um,
1: and this is like a martial art where that really makes a huge difference but that's part of why I did it I was like damn you know what like uh, this isn't gonna get any better and uh, this there's something new to try and if I can get past that whole kind of fact that when people try to tell me what to do, I clearly can't do it very well. And I'll probably have a good time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that, that is basically what happened. I mean, yeah, it was, it was funny because, you know, the instructor would have to do things like, uh, sort of whisper little adaptations of whatever and I was doing so that it would be easy enough for me to do. <laughs> but I'm fine with that, you know, because I was just like, yeah. I, even though it's the, you have to be, have a bit of humility, after a while, you're just kind of like, oh, damn, I'm feeling the benefits. Then you start to notice that you're getting better. And, and that in itself is just a really satisfying thing.
0: Yes, indeed. And then how do you go about writing an immersive theater play?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I, yeah, I, that's something which I've had limited experience with. I mean, it shows. Saturday, mm-hmm. actually, it's been the first in a while, but it's a, it's a well, not everyone, I think, knows what a message theatre is, but it's where, mm-hmm. essentially, the fourth wall is broken and people who are are you around the, the, um, the, the setting for wherever it's taking place. So rather than it being a stage, you are walking through a place, which means that the uh, actors and the work that goes into the scripting involves a lot more... Um, sort of uh improvised uh preparation. Uh and the what I found fascinating when I got first got involved with this is like how that sort of thing happens and there's so much work in building incredible depth to each and every character that um is part of the production. So whereas in a play, you just have to learn your lines, you know, you have to, you have to get into the head of your character, but it's always within the context of the scenes that you're playing and, and that that's the everything. But the thing with immersive theater is that like someone from the audience can um, interact with you at any time in any way and, uh, and throw things at you that you will not be able to prepare for. So you really have to like build on that depth and be ready for something that's all canon, that's all that all makes sense in that universe and the the work is a lot more but it's it's a really exhilarating thing and i also think that like when you're part of it you just get so much closer to the people who you performed with because you mm. almost have to build up a parallel life together um and uh <laughs> that's something which uh, takes time and yeah you kind of um you start to see the real people uh come through it as well i recommend a lot well. i'm a big fan of immersive theater
0: Wonderful, thank you. And then um, I was actually curious about what your creative process is as a Canadian.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It depends on the sort of thing that's happening uh, that you're trying to do. But say, for example, we stand-up, it's it's um it's I do try to do as little. Um, uh writing beforehand as possible so i do like to try and sort of make take make things um you yeah, know kind of solidify things on stage uh, the the logic being that uh, i feel like when personally i write in a sort of pen paper or typing on a keyboard way it engages a part of my brain that is the opposite of creative uh so it's great to have like a course premise or something that you're going to build something uh, a bit but I guess also with my improv background I quickly learned that I'm far preferred trying something out on a on stage in an open mic and watching it go wrong uh maybe watching it go better than I expected or whatever it is and uh, then expanding on things that way than just having that really dry situation where you just try to pull ideas out of nowhere And, uh, yeah, so it works for me. I know it's like some other people are a lot more cerebral or they want to focus on one thing. But for me, I far prefer to just kind of, uh, yeah, let it flow on stage.
0: Wow, that is um, pretty amazing. And uh, how was it working with Stephen Carlin, Damian Power, and Greg Shapiro?
1: I mean, yeah, I've, I've you know, performed alongside and, you know, often seen a lot of really good comedians uh, that are yeah. uh, shows and things like this and, and everyone's got their own thing, right? And everyone has their own sort of perspectives and like, and what they do and, um, yeah, you learn from seeing people who are doing it badly. You learn from people who are doing it well. But it's always a yeah. learning experience. And I do find that when there is someone who sticks in your head, maybe if there's like a something they do, which is something that you recognize you you can't do yourself, or maybe something that's really similar to something you can do, but they just do it better, or, you know, they're just mm-hmm. yeah. you know, more competent. There's There's all sorts of things which you... Just being around people like that can be really inspirational, um, and especially when you kind of can ask them the questions afterwards as well. If you've seen something that's like you think is really interesting, and you get a chance to kind of ask about it rather than just uh, take it on face value, that's uh, that's quite cool too.
0: Yes, and then to actually to that point, who are your um, role models or did you have any comedians that you um, said, "Hey, I I I want to be similar to that," or, or I want to I yeah. want to take take away from this particular comedian? Like, which ones did you um, do you find pretty amazing? Yeah,
1: I mean, growing up, I think that like a huge influence on me was uh, Eddie Izzard, who. Um, uh, I think at a time when I was growing up was like at his peak of popularity in the UK. And he was, had a very distinct style and was popular enough that I guess, you know, kids at school would suddenly start to speak a little bit like him, uh, <laughs> which is always a sign that someone's got a cultural impact. And yeah, and, and it's it's funny though, because like at that time I would watch those again and again. It was just something that I really enjoyed uh, seeing. Um, and uh Yeah, I watched them again like a couple of weeks ago or one of them the first time in over a decade and it was a really weird experience when you realize you can remember almost all of the jokes all the setup most of the script almost you know but at the same time it also sounds so unfamiliar so that was a really like nice thing um to see but like since then you know there's just so many different comedians like Stuart p tony law um dan rath in australia sam simmons in australia um here in the Netherlands, there's quite a few decent comedians as well out Rakota. um there's, there's this, this nowadays is more like I don't have that same sort of teenage thing where I sort of just think that one person is like untouchable. It's more of a case yes. of there's certain things I think they're really good in so many different performers, and it's just more like you know I'll enjoy bits and pieces here and there rather than just be like this person is amazing and untouchable. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then um, I'm going to. Yes. Okay. So, do the bands that you interview on Real Power Talk know that you're in character?
1: Uh, so yeah, I, I I run a show called uh, Real Power Talk, and um, mm-hmm. it's yeah they're, they're essentially doing interviews with bands uh, in character where they do not know that uh, I am a character. So I have a number of aliases that I do for the interviews and um whilst sorry i'm not giving much
0: whilst i am in that
1: alias they um they they don't know that it's anyone but the person i'm pretending to be which is kind of a challenge because you have to convince a complete stranger that you are someone else entirely uh to completely buy it because of course if they don't believe it then it all just falls apart they just think you're uh you're just uh yeah being an idiot so the fun <laughs> comes in then to seeing how far you get to like really sort of show that you're not the person who you are. But um, but simultaneously, it's like uh, you want to try and make it a bit more ridiculous and try and introduce like some sort of real... Uh, calamity that's happening around you and that's a real part of the fun is that uh, yeah so as time goes on it just gets it just all falls apart more and more and uh, (laughs) thankfully to date not one artist has actually recognized that I'm not the person that I say I am but uh, we do tell them afterwards though uh, just because (laughs) you don't (laughs) want to we're not out to kind of make people look like fools we're just out to, to kind of just Uh, have fun with the repetitive nature of um, the artist's PR sort of tours and loops that they have to do the same thing again and again. That sounds
0: really fun and then can you tell me about your show, True to You?
1: Uh, Yes, so that's a kind of that's an improvised show where um, it's kind of a cross between a self-help seminar and a Cult uh, induction, I guess you would say. It's uh, it's very much um, like uh, um, like it's based on. There's a lot of set pieces. I do it with a guy called Rachea Bach, who has uh, kind of become semi popular. Uh, here in the Netherlands, as big as a TikTok star now, um, but it's yes. it's a it's a fun little format that we play. That it's um it's kind of just uh, it, it it has like a lot of overlaps with the immersive theater stuff that I was talking before, um, where it's like you're it's part of it is prepared, but like part of it is based on what you get, and what engagement you get from the audience, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and I definitely recommend checking it out if if uh, <laughs> it ever comes near you.
0: Okay, I definitely will. And then I want to touch on—I just have uh, not too many more minutes left here, so I did want to uh, touch on you being a musician. I listened to uh, quite a bit of of your your music, and um, I wanted to know: Are you still playing, or are you with the band? And um, like, just a little bit about your music history.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I've been in many bands over the years, and uh, I have, I mean, I love making music, and I love writing about and everything to do with music. I always will. Um, but right now, it's more just like a hobby thing. Um, I would love to start another band or something, uh, but there are unfortunately only so many hours in the day, and right now, like <laughs> with all of the uh, the teaching, performing, and things like that, there's a point when you have to realize that there's so many things that you want to do and there's so many things you can do, but like you just have to, you also take some time for yourself and, you know, not get too, uh, too overwhelmed by it all because it's far more fun to kind of, you know, to have a few things on the go, which you're giving your everything to than to have lots of different things you're doing at once. And then just feel like you're constantly apologizing for it going wrong. So... Right now, I've made the conscious decision to just, you know, I'll do some music stuff for videos I'm making and things like that, or if someone else asks me, but not something with a regular commitment. It's too much right now.
0: <laughs> yes, I understand. And then um, where can our audience find you and uh, learn yeah, more about um,
1: you? I mean, I'm on all of well, not all of, but most of the different uh, social medias out there. So uh, you know, yeah. it's just a, a case of uh, I'm sure you'll share them in your liner notes. Um, yeah, so sure. yeah, there's lots of videos and, and nonsense and personal stuff too. Why not? But but yeah, yeah uh, I'm I'm not definitely not one of the people. online who shares every uh, micro detail of my life but I do try to share (laughs) some of the more interesting or fun stuff that's going on and so yeah do check it out and also I also list all the shows and stuff that I'm running at the time as well so please do check that out
0: oh for sure and I just want to thank you so so very much Stephen it's been such a pleasure to have you as a special guest on our show today and a
1: (laughs) pleasure being a guest thank you
0: you're welcome okay bye for now thank you again
1: no problem thanks okay bye you're
0: welcome bye okay that was wonderful steven morgan and um I am just thrilled that he stopped by the show today. I really want to um, let all of our creatives hear about one another, share about one another. And to realize that their talents are shared around the globe. As you can see, or as you can hear, um, Stephen is British. And he moves around, so he's in the Netherlands now. Um, and I, I just want our audience to also know that, um, you know, when a lot of us get frustrated or or don't know what to do with ourselves, we can always do something creative to relieve our stress and make it fun. So you can do comedy. As our wonderful guest does um, music you can write music um, you can be a great storyteller um, uh, you can do acting yes uh, but there's just so much out there and I I, I thought it was so important to have the um, Stephen on so you could hear just how diverse he is in um, in his abilities so i do hope that you learned a little bit about how to improv okay and if you don't know what that is just feel free to look it up what does improv mean in theater or in acting okay so thank you again so very much for being an awesome audience i have the links to steven's um, social media feeds okay and please check him out and give him support. All right. Thank you all so much for being on coffee, for listening to, excuse me, <laughs> coffee chat with Camille Shaw. Bye for now. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help, so you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Uh, Ooh, a book club. Uh,